All right, welcome back, listeners, to the Sound the Foghorn podcast. I am Daniel Sperry. Today, we are doing a preview podcast with our co-friend, well, I, I, I say I botched that word, um, A from our sister site within the fan-sided network, Dodgers Way. Jacob Rudner has joined us. If you paid attention to our NL West um, preview pod, we did a roundtable with the guys from the Rocks Pile and Friars on Base. Um, Jacob was along there with us for that. He's going to join me today, and we're going to break down this upcoming series, one of the last series for a while between the Giants and Dodgers um, here in the month of April. Uh, so, uh, welcome, Jacob, first, and uh, how are you doing today, man? Uh, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I always look forward to recording these podcasts. You know, you respect the rivalry a little bit, and we get to discuss Dodgers and Giants. I'm excited to be here again. That's for sure. This is, of course, the biggest rivalry um, in the, I guess, in the West, really in the Western half of baseball. Uh, second biggest rivalry in baseball. Um, second, really, to the Dodgers. I mean, not second to the Dodgers, but second, really, to the Red Sox and Yankees, um, which I think all of us could even debate that it should be on par with it. Anyways, um, but we don't, we don't have enough postseason things. That's that that's my that's my only axe to grind with us not being number one is we have like no postseason history against each other. No, it's a it, uh, it, it's a stark history between the two teams in the postseason. But the the in season rivalry is alive and well, and uh, this will be a series with no exception. All right, so I'll let you talk about the Dodgers a little bit first because I know most of our Giants listeners kind of know where we're at at the moment. But you know what's going on with this Dodgers team? I know I believe we're relatively similar in records at the moment. Uh, you guys just came off. We're coming off a series win against the Nationals, but you guys are coming off a series loss to the Marlins, which I, I, I assume Dodgers, I've seen some of Dodgers Twitter already going insane. Um, but I, I, I believe, I mean, are, is, is it as bad as it might seem right now? Um, I mean, well, first of all, let, let's settle one thing. And that's that Dodgers Twitter has been going insane since the first loss of the season on opening day. That, that has not, <laughs> that has been a constant from day one. The, the second thing that's, that's worth talking about is, the Dodgers are below 500 for what seems like the majority of this season so far. I believe they've been at 500 for just one game, uh, and, and the rest have been under or at. So it has been a slow start to the season, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. There are cold starts to a season. You can you can come out of the gate slow. The Dodgers seem to do it every April. Uh, they, they hover around 500 and then really explode after that, um, and I wouldn't rule that out, but what I would say is – there is cold starts, and then there is cold enough that you're losing a season series to the 2018 Marlins, which have been just absolutely broken down to the to the bone. So, is it is it worth concern at the moment? Maybe a little bit. Um, could it also just be following trend from years past? I I think so. So it might just be too early to tell. But at the moment, especially going into the series, the Dodgers are cold, and there's no two ways about it. I think I can totally relate to you on in the terms of Twitter freaking out. Like Giants Twitter, um, they freaked out after. I mean, you the, after it, we the series was over, the opening series. I mean, people were convinced um, that this team was they weren't any different. Evan Longoria was trash, and now he's you know playing actually really well. Um, had an average almost down to one hundred. He's up to close to the Mendoza line now. Um, got a lot of runs. Brandon Belt, too, was another one everybody wanted to trade. He's riding an eight-game hitting streak, five homers in his last seven games, and leads the team in RBI home runs and 
Uh, it's only second to Joe Panic and hits. And everyone at the beginning of the year was like, nope, he's done. There was somebody that was ready to sit him down. I think that this is the, the best tweet I saw was that someone said that Bochi needed to sit down and give him an ultimatum and say, you play better or we're trading you. And I laughed really hard at the thought of Bochi doing that to a player that still has four years and close to 50 million plus left on his contract. But anyway, I was going to say that's a harsh take. Oh, harsh takes. And I, I'm sure you've seen them all on Dodgers Twitter, Giants Twitter. We see them all the time. Uh, but the Giants, I think, are kind of in the where, where the Dodgers are at right now, I feel, is where the Giants were at after the Padres series last weekend. Um, the, the Padres series, uh, last weekend was in, incredibly disheartening, um, after they win the, they win that first game seven to nothing, uh, then they come back and, uh, and there was a seven, it was either seven to nothing. They, they had allowed only one hit, um, and it was to a pitcher over like a 14 inning span. And then after that, um, the, the Padres went on and dominated us over the final three games of that series. And so it was a funky series. People were really down. They dipped below 500 um, after losing to the Padres. And then they go into Arizona. They almost get no hit, but the pitching performances were so good in Arizona that you came out of that sitting there thinking, man, they they fight back and win one in extra innings, even though the Diamondbacks are really good, so we're going to concede that. But then they go into L.A., they play well, they played over the weekend, and then they play... um, against the uh against the nationals who are a very good team uh get the massive home run from mac williamson i don't know if you saw that but that one went very bonds land uh as a right-handed hitter which i have never seen um so interesting shot in the arm there the giants are kind of riding the high now i yesterday was a 15 to 2 loss um but the nationals were kind of pissed off and just hit everything in front of them so i think the giants might be going into this series a bit more confident than the Dodgers might be, or at least Giants fan base has a reason to be a little bit more confident than the Dodgers yeah. fan base might um, yeah. at this moment. Um, I, I wouldn't disagree with you. And, and another thing that I, I haven't added yet is that the Dodgers and the Giants are similar in that their record is virtually the same. The, Do- the Giants have played one more game mm-hmm. and they have one more loss because of it. They're, you guys are 11 and 13 and we're 11 and 12. Um, and something that I would find commonplace between the two teams is that there are hot hitters within the lineups mm-hmm. and on the rosters. And it just, it's not a full team effort. There are individual performances. You mentioned that Evan Longoria is heating up and that's big for you guys. And we have Yasmani Grandal who's hitting a 324 this season with four mm-hmm. home runs. And he's been lights out in, in what is a contract year, unfortunately. But just something I thought I'd mention is that going into this series, both teams have guys who are hitting well and hitting the ball hard right now. So mm-hmm. it's it's not so much a matter of a cold team. It's just not – it's a dysfunctional unit, at least with us. I, I, it does sound like you guys and look like you guys are starting to break out of the early season funk. Mm-hmm. But I just – there the problem for right now, for the Dodgers at least, is that it has not been a cohesive unit of a team. It's been one guy gets a hit and they can't push him across. I mean, the Dodgers are – I think they're one of the worst in the league right now with batters and running – in scoring position – so it that has been the struggle for this team. Yeah, and I think the Giants are actually in the same boat. Uh, they're, they're, I believe they're average with runners in scoring position. We were looking at it earlier. If I'm correct, I'm going to pull up a, a colleague's article that I was editing um, earlier today. Uh, and we were talking about, I think it said that the Giants, I believe, ha- still have a average below 200 with runners in scoring position, um, which is 
absolutely insane. Um, but the, I think that it's interesting that you pointed out because I think for the Giants, what was so good about these performances against the Angels and the Nationals in those back-to-back series wins um, was the fact that you look at those two teams and and the way that those games were played, the way they took them through, and it was the offense got timely hits, they got somebody in scoring position, and they moved them home. That hadn't been happening. Then you have the starters going at least five, six innings um, in all those wins, some of them pushing into seven and eight innings. Uh, and Johnny, Johnny Cueto's been lights out. He was amazing again. Um, you had Jess Marja who had a very good start. His first start back, not so good yesterday, um, but fine. Chris Stratton has been amazing for the Giants uh, right now. And Derek Holland did uh, was okay um, in that series and was actually actually kept that close. But in the games that they won, it was they got the offense, the pitcher starting pitcher did their job, and then they got another three solid innings from the bullpen. I think that's what I think for Giants fans is what's been so positive about going forward is that it does feel like it is a cohesive air effort that the you know the defense is playing well, um, making good plays and making the smart plays and the right plays. The batters were hitting right, uh, finally scratching some runs across. Uh, they scored 28 runs um, in their last eight games, which is, I mean, it's a little less than four a game. But before they were, they had only scored above two runs in like four games, so that was a really big concern. Um, we're at least seeing three to four runs a game now from them. The pitching, the bullpen, the way it's been, I think it's that's, I guess, is the positive sign for the Giants going into this series. But enough about where the teams are at headed into it, um, or what they've been doing the last week. Uh, they, we've got matchups here. Um, we're going to break down the pitching matchups here, uh, game by game, as this one. Uh, th- so Thursday, yeah, not Thursday, today is Thursday, Friday, um, April 27th, 7-15 first pitch at AT&T Park. Uh, Yunjin Ryu will take on, will pitch for the Dodgers. Derek Holland. Uh, what Ryu has been really, really good this year, this year for you guys, hasn't he? Yeah, so I actually recently wrote an article about it, and and. I, what basically that article was about is just how good Hinjin Ryu has been. He's coming off of a, a storyline career where, you know, he started off hot when in, in his rookie year. He came in fourth in the rookie of the year voting in 2013. 2014 was good. And then we didn't see him for two more years. And then last year was a comeback story. And this year is finally what the Dodgers bought back in 2013. He has, he's won, he's 3-0. He's yet to record a loss. His ERA is below Two, it's at 199. Um, when he gets to 0-2 in the count, batters are batting 0 for 42 against him. And in general, uh, the opposition is hitting 141 off of Ryu. So, I mean, it's it's a it's a heavy take, but I would go as far as to say that Hinjin Ryu has been the ace of staff this season so far. He has been untouchable. And quite frankly, I, I don't see signs pointing to that slowing down. It hasn't been bad, uh, good luck kind of pitching. It, it has really genuinely been just... Hinjin Ryu going out there, he's attacking the strike zone, he's pitching hard, and his team is is getting behind him, and, and guys are saying things like, it's easy to play behind a guy like Ryu when he pitches the way he's been pitching. So I would go as far as to say that going into tomorrow's matchup, we are very, very confident in how it can go just based on pitching alone. Yeah, and I think Derek Holland for the Giants has actually been a bit of a surprise. I know he hasn't um his or his start so far he's got almost a five era but he does have 22 strikeouts in his or 18 strikeout oh no sorry 22 strikeouts in his last four in his four starts 
Um, the strikeouts and walks are low. Um, opponent's batting average is actually pretty low. The problem is, is that when the damage gets done with him, it's done with the long ball. And he has one of the worst um, long ball rates of any of the giant starters. Um, and that that is of concern to people. Uh, he's hit, allowed four home runs in his last two starts. Three of the five hits that he allowed in his six-inning debut or six-inning appearance at Angel Stadium for the for the Giants um, were home runs. Uh, all, part of it too, Mike Trout is hot and he's just hitting every single thing he sees. I believe he hit a home run. He's hit a home run in like the last six games or something wild like that. Um, he's uh, so you know Mike Trout gets to him. Uh, you know they the Angels still have a very good hitting lineup. They got to him. Uh, did some damage, and um, I think that's where, where Holland is weak. Um, but his ability to strike guys out, and with the way that the Dodgers' rotation, or not the rotation, the, the Dodgers' lineup has been swinging so far this season, um, I, I still think Holland can can do enough. But the question is, is does he make, he can't make mistakes to guys like Puig and Bellinger and Corey Seager um, because those will easily end up in the bleachers um, or into the ocean on Cody Bellinger, the lefty's part. So it's going to be interesting to see how he pitches against the Dodgers. I like what he's done so far. I thought his last two starts were a little rough, but um, I think I I do think that just the nature of this matchup will keep this one close. Um, but I would definitely give the edge to. Ryu and the Dodgers in this first game just because of how well Ryu's been pitching. Um, so, and for the doubleheader, which comes on Saturday, first game will be a 105 first pitch um, uh, local time, Pacific time at AT&T Park. Giants for sure have penciled in Chris Stratton. The Dodgers is still to be announced. It's most likely not going to be Clayton Kershaw because he just threw Wednesday. Um, this isn't the playoffs. I don't think they're going to throw him on short rest. Uh, Walker Bueller, uh, as you and I were discussing before was sent down after his start to Rancho Cucamonga, who's playing in Stockton. So for you Northern California heads, no Stockton is almost less than an hour drive to AT&T Park. Um, he'll be fine. He'll be there on the taxi squad activated most light. I, I mean, both of us are assuming that he'll be activated as the 26th man. Um, so I mean, I, yeah, I, I would actually go as far as to say that Walker Bueller is making that start on Saturday morning. And, yeah. uh, there, there's actually a lot to unpack with this game. And if, if you don't mind, I'm actually going to kick it off and throw it back. I'll play host for a second no, and kick fine. it back to you. Um, Chris Stratton has been so good this season. And and do you feel that this is something that is a, a sustainable performance? Or do you feel like this is something that is really, it's above and beyond his capabilities? Because last year, I don't know that we saw this Chris Stratton. We saw good Chris Stratton. But I don't know that we saw this. So is this a maintainable pace? I think this is actually a maintainable pace. And I'm going to say it just because we started to see it click for him in his final starts where he amassed um, a massive amount of strikeouts. An interesting stat about Chris Stratton here, as you, as you bring up Chris Stratton here, is that uh, this is his 14th consecutive start where he has allowed three runs or fewer. Um, so for me, I actually definitely think this is a, a, uh, a, a sustainable thing for him. Um, it, and it, it may surprise a lot, um, as, uh, surprise a lot of people that I would say that, um, just because, you know, he was, he was, I mean, he's a first round pick, but from 2012. So it's taken him a little while. Um, and he had struggled with a few things here and there. Um, but it seems like it's finally clicking for him. Does he have the potential to have a bad start here and there? Yes. He's had a fantastic start. Um, but like like I said before, you know, the, his last couple starts, um, 
at the end of last season kind of showed us uh, what it really did show us what we thought he had. And he, he had multiple strikeouts, ten strikeouts, stuff like that. Uh, performances. I I don't know if he's he's not going to be an ace. Um, I I don't think he I don't think he'll sustain it like an ace pitching status. Um, but you can easily look at him as a very solid three or four guy in this rotation going forward. And you know if he can do something along the lines of a Jeff Samarja who goes in, he's going to pitch seven eight innings strike a lot of dudes out and hopefully you know you don't get beat too often with him because he does like to live in and around the strike zone um it's it's going to be uh it's going i think that's kind of like the hope of where he's at with that um but i do think that what he's done so far has been pretty sustainable uh, and i think can be sustainable because what he's done is pretty much tried to stay within himself uh and make the right pitch uh, and then on our side of the ball, we have Walker Bueller going. And in Walker Bueller, um, I don't know that I can confidently say he's going to pitch like a, like he's like his potential has him listed as, and that that being an ace because you know, he's he's the team's top prospect and he's projected to come into the league and be Kershaw's right hand man, literally right hand man. But um, uh, what to me is promising, at least right now, is the lack of film and the lack of study that other teams have on Bueller. And it's that mystery value that you have going into something. And it's the same mystery value that I would almost place on a guy like Shohei Otani with the angels Mm -hmm. who has hit a ton of home runs and pitched super well. And I think that a lot of that has to do with him going out there and guys just not knowing how to, and in Otani's case, pitch or, or uh, hit against him. So the, the problem is, for opposing teams right now against Bueller is they just don't know what's coming. And they obviously know that it's that hard sinking fastball where that can touch triple digits. They obviously know there's going to be that good curveball changeup combination, but for, for at least confidence wise for Dodgers fans whose confidence levels are depleted as they can be right now, Walker Bueller should represent hope in that other teams don't, they don't have it figured out yet. So I think that that is extremely positive for game one of the doubleheader on Saturday. And that could be a huge thing working in the Dodgers' favor. If, I, let's say, Hinge and Ryu's game doesn't go well and they get lost, then moving into sat- into Friday morning, Saturday morning, sorry, mm-hmm. is, uh, is is a, is a positive thing. Yeah, and it's it's going to be a really interesting matchup because Giants. I I will say I can I can go back and think of a a, a few um, Dodger debuts that have happened. Not de- not necessarily debuts, but rookie pitchers um, that have had a torrid time at AT AT&T Park because the Giants were just very patient and waited them out. Uh, You saw the same thing with the, with the Angels starter. Um, Barria, you know, Brandon Belt puts together a 20, was it 21, 24 pitch at bat, something wild like that. Um, They make him throw close to 50 pitches in the first inning, uh, chase him out of the game by the third or the fourth. Um, I, the Giants like to do that with young pitchers. And I go back to Ross Stripling and Nate Uvalde making their um, first starts and or at least their first start at AT&T Park against the Giants and the Giants made them work I think Stripling had like close to 50 or 60 um, pitches in his first couple innings when he did that Yovaldi had a very tough time in his first go around with the Giants uh, I if I'm the Giants hitters that's how I'm approaching it 
Um, and they're just going to try and force him to make a lot of pitches. Um, they're going to do everything they can to make him work and uh, stress him out a bit. Um, and, you know, it'll be if Bueller comes out of it, I think it'll be a testament um, to what type of prospect he is, um, because the Giants love to do that to to young pitchers and well, to guys that they haven't seen before. They, they just wait them out as much as they can. And, and something I, I do want to add and almost clarify is that when Stripling debuted last year against the Giants, and this is something that I really could see Bueller having a having an easier time doing than perhaps Stripling, or you mentioned uh, Nate Uvalde did, but mm-hmm. Stripling ended up settling in against the Giants, and it, it, it was a lot of pitches in the first couple innings, and it ended up being 100 even when yeah. he got pulled after seven and third no-hit innings. So I do think that part of the Giants' problem against new pitchers is not the first two, three, or four innings, because like you mentioned, they are good at running that pitch count up in those innings. But once a pitcher gets past mm-hmm. that third, four-inning mark, and they still haven't touched him, but the pitch count's a little bit high. Pitchers seem, at least trend-wise, to settle in pretty nicely for the following inning. So I don't know if that's if that could happen this weekend, but I'm just saying that that, that is something that I've noticed with the Giants in the past, especially against young pitchers, is, like you mentioned, that ability to work the pitch count early. But mm-hmm. once it stops working for them, it really stops working. Yeah, and that, that is the concern. And, you know, they part of it, too, is, you know, Let's say they don't get anything out of their patients. Um, they come back in on the backside of it, and they end up, you know, they, they start pressing and pushing too much. And then that's when they start swing and miss, and they, you know, they kind of leave their approach. Uh, the Giants have been bad about that. Um, I think all against a lot of teams too, even guys that they have had throw a lot of pitches early. Um, but I think overall that they've, they, it might be a point of emphasis and just an interesting thing to watch in that matchup. Uh, the next one we've got is Alex Wood. Fantastic last year. Hasn't touched his normal self this year. Um, and then Johnny Cueto has been lights out, bar none, one of the best pitchers in the National League to start off this season. That is the second leg of the doubleheader, Saturday night, 7.05, first pitch at AT&T Park. I mean, what's up with Alex Wood? And, I mean, he's kind of kept you guys, helped keep you guys close, but he's not his normal self, is he? Um, actually, I would say that this is his normal self, and last year was just a really, really good year, if we're being totally honest here. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is Alex Wood settling back to normalcy, and I think that that is a testament to just how good a pitcher he really is, that a 372 ERA, over 29 innings pitched, and a .83 whip is considered not so good. Just That goes to show you how fantastic he was last year. And I really do think that this is Alex Wood that, that fans can get used to. I do think the ERA is a bit high, but I think that, that the overall quality of performance for him this season is something that fans can get used to seeing more than they can get used to seeing that low two, high one ERA that they saw early last year. And then talking about tomorrow, uh, God, I keep messing up the days, but uh, uh, <laughs> on Saturday, uh, something that, that is really good for Wood is when Alex Wood starts to get hot, he continues to stay hot. He is a very streaky pitcher and he feeds well off of past performances and his last performance against the Giants early on in the season it was that opening day series he went eight innings and he he held them to just one hit so that is something that I would say is super super huge for Wood but like you did say there have been performances that are slow he's gotten touched up a couple times one of them specifically was uh, on uh, the uh, 11th of April against Oakland in Los Angeles where he lasted just three and two-thirds innings and gave up seven earned runs 
So that has been the other side of Alex Wood this season, and that is something that Dodger fans should and, – and Giants fans, hopeful Dodger fans, concerned about mm-hmm. for Wood going into Saturday night. And Saturday night, I mean, for the Giants, you could talk about – what Johnny Cueto's done so far has been phenomenal. He's gone – very late into, I believe, three of his four starts with that have been relatively perfect to no hit. Um, he had his last two starts, he at least did not allow a hit um, into the fifth and sixth innings against the Diamondbacks and the Angels. And we all know what happened in that in his first start against the Dodgers um, as he almost threw a perfect game um, going into the eighth inning, I believe, with a, with a perfect game going still intact. And if it wasn't for Corey Seager... Um, you know, that game still maybe, or was it, was it Corey Seager or who was it? Was it? I honestly can't even tell you, but what I can tell you is that Johnny Cueto on the season has pitched uh, six innings or more in all of his starts. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has given up a total of, it looks like 13 base hits on the entire season and has an ERA of 0.35. So that's not concerning. Any team that's about to face him, I don't know what is. Yeah, uh, and you, you look at you look at his walk numbers too. I mean, he's allowed seven throwing the walks too. His WHIP is point six five. I mean, that's 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 quite low. Um, the Giants have have multiple guys sitting kind of low in that WHIP, but you know, for a starter, a guy who's thrown twenty six innings. Uh, to be sitting that low, opponents average just sitting at 149 um, against him. That is, uh, Johnny Cueto's been lights out. He's allowed one run all season long. Um, and so the, uh, the Giants, if you're a Giants fan, you're most likely chalking this up to a win just because of the way Cueto's pitched. They feel, you know, giant, you would hope that the Giants bats are fine, but, you know, if, you know, against Wood, but with the way Cueto's pitched, I, I don't know how any Giants fan couldn't be confident um, going into that matchup. And that, for me, is probably the premium pitching matchup to watch in this entire uh, series is really going to be that Alex Wood-Cueto match. Um, if you're if you're in this for the pitching, it's not Bumgarner-Kershaw, but it's probably going to be one of the next better things um, to see two guys who've been really good at their craft, Johnny Cueto, balling out this season after a rough 2017 Alex Wood a little bit rough start compared to his amazing 2017 got a great pitching matchup for that Saturday night game and we close it out with a Sunday afternoon this is weird apparently it's listed as a 205 um, first pitch uh, at AT AT&T Park I think that's wrong Um, it might be supposed to be one o'clock huh I think 2.05 is the start time for that game. Really? So, okay, so I, I hadn't yeah. even looked at that yet, which is really, really funky because um, for me that's 4 o'clock out here in the central time zone, and it's that's, that's just weird to start a baseball game around then. But um, So we got Kenta Maeda going against Ty Block. Um, Maeda really fooled the Giants uh, earlier on in the season. Um, what, do you, what do you see about Maeda, and what has he been doing so far this year for you guys? Um, 2018 has been the tale of two Kentas. Uh, we've seen the Kenta Maeda who pitched in the, in the opening series against the Giants and was just untouchable, that 10 strikeouts in five innings performance that we saw this year. And then we've seen the Kenta Maeda that has lasted less than three innings. We saw that on the 13th where he pitched just 2.2 innings and got, got knocked around not horribly. He only gave up two earned runs. Sorry, he gave up two earned runs in that game, but five unearned runs. Um, so he, we, we've seen a Kenta that has been hot. We've seen a Kenta that's cold. And if we're going off of last performance on the 24th, uh, he was really good. He pitched six innings and gave up only four hits and a run. 
Um, that was extremely promising, but I honestly can't tell you where he's at just because I don't know what I've seen so far. I've seen outstanding and I've seen really underwhelming. So I, the confidence level going into the series uh, is not high, but I'm cautiously optimistic just based on last performance. Yeah, and for the Giants going Ty Block in this, you know, he's been good. He's been a, for some reason he's been a Dodger killer, um, which is really fun. Uh, looking at the Dodgers batters um, against him, there is only two um, that have in the in the last five years, which you know he's only been really pitching against the Dodgers for three. Uh, but we're looking at this last five years, the only guys that have a uh, average of three hundred or higher off of him is uh, Cody Bellinger and. Uh, Chris Taylor um, in each of those in 10 at bats. So Block has been a Giants or a Dodgers killer um, recently, but the problem with the with Block is that he doesn't he can't even get into the seventh inning. He has a hard time with whoever they're playing um, going through third time through the lineup. You know uh, they kind of got lucky with it in this game against um, against the uh, against the Nationals on Tuesday night. Uh, just because that you know he was able to get out of it, and that the bullpen had been relatively rested, um, thanks to Johnny Cueto's start on Sunday, and then uh, Chris Stratton's start on Monday night. Um, so to have those two guys, this is this is a game that kind of concerns I think any Giants fan because with Block, this could potentially turn into a bullpen game, and you're going to have to be prepared for potentially having four innings of the bullpen work that game. Um, and with a doubleheader the night before or the day before, you're really, really, really going to want to try and minimize the amount of bullpen usage, as as much bullpen usage as possible. You're trying to minimize it over those two games, um, with with Ty Block um, going on Sunday, which could potentially I, be a bullpen game for the Giants. And I guess a concern for the Dodgers is that you have Walker Buehler most likely pitching on Saturday morning, and then you have Meta going on Sunday, so. Maeda has been a guy very similar to Ty Block, where getting deep into ball games has been a struggle, not only this year, but in his entire career. Mm-hmm. Six innings is considered a treat if you can get Kenta there. I don't think I've, I don't remember the last time I've seen him pitch into the seventh inning. Um, that being said, if he can pitch a strong six, that's really good. But like I said, Bueller is on an innings and pitch count limit for this season just because of the whole Tommy John surgery. He's still young, they're trying to keep him healthy and especially preserve him for what will hope to be a long postseason run. But if that's the case, that that usually entails bullpen usage, especially on that Saturday morning. With Wood being slightly inconsistent this year, I don't know how much usage is going to need to be used that night. And then you go over to the next day and you have Maeda, who has been not a deep pitcher in terms of innings, and that could be more bullpen usage. So I don't know what the team's plan is to try and cover those innings that are going to possibly be needed out of the bullpen. I mean, you factor in a bad start in there, and the Dodgers can really be shooting themselves in the foot in terms of where are they going to get this pitching. Yeah, and I think the Giants the Giants are really just hoping that, you know, this isn't the one-off bad start for Cueto or a one-off bad start for Chris Stratton, um, considering, the, uh, considering I think both of us, both teams are looking at the potential bullpen usage with um, the guys that they have going on Sunday as potential bullpen games as well. Both teams probably have uh, contingency plans in place and are really working on that. Uh, so we're going to look at here, we're going to take a player to watch for each team. Um, I'll let Jacob start off first. Uh, we're going with a hot player, a cold player, and a critical player. The player who um, can be uh, someone critical to the success of 
of your team. So, Jacob, who are your players to watch? So, my first player for hot is going to be Osmani Grandal. There has been no touching him this season for pitchers. He has just been lights out in that he is hitting home runs. He is getting on base. He has been one of the Dodgers' best and only producers when runners are in scoring position and in knocking them in. He's been very good. Uh, if he can, if he can stay as hot as he's going to be, then this is going to be one phenomenal year for him, and he is going to get paid in the off season again if this is the case. Yeah, and for the Giants, uh, a hot player right now. It's hard to go without Brandon. It's hard to go with anybody other than Brandon Bell. I would throw Mac Williamson in there, but he's only had 19 at bats. Um, three of them have been massive home runs, but uh, you know you're really looking at Brandon Bell, who's riding an eight-game hit streak. Five five home runs in his last seven games. Um, you know he's on fire right now. He's got his average up above 300, a 1,000 plus OPS. He's playing really really well. Um, you know he's someone that when he's locked in, he is very very difficult um, to keep off the scoreboard and from running around the bases. Uh, so for the Giants, a hot player going in right now definitely has to be Brandon Belt. So that brings us to Cold. Uh, for me, that's going to be. I'm, not, I'm actually going to. I'm going to cheat a little bit here, and I'm going to go with two people: one pitcher, one batter. Uh, my cold batter is Yasiel Puig. It pains me to say it, especially after such a breakout performance last season. And this year, 2018, was supposed to be a year where he would continue to build off of that momentum. But Dodger fans have not seen that yet. He has just been. Every single at bat looks to be a struggle. Um, I guess the only glimmer of hope in terms of Yasiel Puig this season has been his ability to hit the ball really hard, which historically speaking is the first sign of a player coming out of a slump when a, when a guy starts to smoke the baseball. And he has done that. I guess his biggest issue has just been he hasn't found, he hasn't found the grass. And mm -hmm. that's, been, that's been a problem for him. And uh, he is as cold as it's going to get. So he is my cold hitter. And my cold pitcher and also painful to say it is still Kenley Jansen. And I know that things have started to look slightly better, but I, I don't want people, Dodgers or Giants fans, to be confused by that. And I'm saying that because he still looks inconsistent. He's giving up base hits. Uh, he's not gotten out of innings in a clean fashion. His velocity is streaking between 89 and 93 miles an hour. So I don't know what Kenley we're seeing right now, whether that's Kenley who's throwing the ball really hard and, and effectively, or that's the Kenley Jansen who is throwing in the upper 80 to 90 mile an hour zone and getting smoked every single time he throws the ball. So inconsistency is leading to the downfall here for me. And I'm still going to list Kenley as a cold pitcher. All right. So cold player for the Giants for me. Um, I've got a few options here, honestly. Uh, but a guy that I'd really, I think everybody, every Giants fan would really love to see get going is Brandon Crawford. Brandon Crawford is just hitting 200 on the year with a 540 OPS. He's been really miserable as of late. Um, you know, they've, they've bumped him down to an eight hitter after a 2015 and 2016, where it looked like you could easily start throwing him in there as a conversation for the six or seven hole. Um, his offense has regressed the last two years. Uh, he was a great defensive player, but you know, the, the bat at some point has got to start doing some stuff um, you know, Andrew McCutcheon is cold, but he's got, you know, he's, he's still got three homers, brought home 11 runs. So while the average isn't there, um, he's still producing in the times that he's getting, uh, making contact with the ball. Uh, Buster Posey is another candidate. He's only hitting 220 in his last seven games. Um, his average has dipped down to 280, which, you know, 
isn't you're not most people won't complain about a catcher hitting 280 but when it's Buster Posey um, I think all Giants fans could possibly put that for concern but a player who's critical um, for the Dodgers success in this series who are you going to mark down for that uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Corey Seager and the reason being is we have not seen the normal Corey to start the season he's been cold um, he's hitting low 200s right now I believe he's in the 230s um, but regardless, it, it has not been the display. He's hitting 253 right now. So, I mean, it's not horrible, but it's not great either. And I would just say that the reason he's my critical player is because if he can bounce back to what he was last year and get out of the funk that I really think he's still in, then that is a player who is just so dangerous. And, and we've seen that. The MLB has seen that in the past few seasons where he's been a perennial MVP candidate. He has been... Uh, a silver slugger in both of his first two seasons. He's um, he had came close to a gold glove that Brandon Crawford stole from him. But just <laughs> the, the, Corey Seager is a guy who, if he gets hot, the team is hot, and I'm I'm waiting for that to happen. I am going to tab my Giants guy that needs to get hot or a critical player. Period. Um, for this one is actually going to be Evan Longoria, who's been playing a lot better recently. Um, but we still need you still Giants are really going to need some good offense from him. Uh, you've got Brandon Belt swinging the bat really well. You've got Mac Williamson swinging the bat really well. Um, Buster Posey, while he's not been normal, Buster Posey has still been good. Um, so when you can, if they can get Evan Longoria working in there, and even potentially Andrew McCutcheon, I'm going to say one of those or use them as a combined. Um, a combined player to be critical uh, for the Giants. Uh, if any of either of them come out and have success as like a third or a fourth bat going well, um, then I think the series is going to turn out pretty well for the Giants considering the way some of the other people and how hot some of the other people are swinging their bats at the moment. Um, so predictions as we close this out. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? Who do you have going? Uh, you know, Is this, is this going to be another 2-2 split in a four-game series? It seems like the Giants and Dodgers have just been about splitting everything. So uh, what's your take on uh, how this is all going to play out? Um, I'll start with the first game, and I'll just go down in order. And for the first game, I have to give the Dodgers the win just because of how hot Ryu has been. Um, we can't. We can factor in batting to a certain extent just because uh, you have you have Derek Holland on the mound, and he's streaky and consistent. And the Dodgers have hitters that can potentially touch him up. So Ryu's hot pitching plus potential good batting gives me 1-0 Dodgers to start the series. Um, Saturday morning, I'm going to go Giants just because I don't know if Bueller can can hold it out. And I also would would and this is an interesting thing to consider for both teams is that if one of the pitchers on Saturday morning has a very cold start, do they either a let him keep going to preserve bullpen innings, or b pick one guy from the pen and regardless of his result and likely the long reliever? let him continue to go until close to the end of the game just so they can preserve some guys for the next two games of the series. So I'm going to split one and one now. Uh, win on Friday for Dodgers. Win on uh, Saturday morning for the Giants. Saturday night, I'm going to go Giants again just because of Johnny Cueto's hot start to the season. And then Sunday, I'm going to go Dodgers because I think, like I mentioned earlier, Kenta Maeda continues to build on the momentum he's got going. So I'm, two, two. I... I'm going to go. I, I I think I think two two is possible here. Um, I, I I'm going to go with uh, Dodgers getting the win on Friday night. That wouldn't surprise me. 
Um, I think the Giants will sweep Saturday. Um, they've got two guys who've been really good lately, two innings eaters, um, guys that I think Bruce Bochy is really confident in having on the mound at that point. Um, and so for me, it's it'll go Friday, Dodgers, Giants get both Saturday games. And then the big question mark is Sunday. And while I, I know Kenta Maeda has pitched a little bit better this year, and he did uh, rip the Giants apart in his first appearance with them, Ty Block is a notorious Dodgers killer. Like, it's it's super weird. But, like, some guys, like one of, I mean, Giants fans will know this. Dodgers fans, if you're listening, uh, one of the Giants broadcasters' famous lines is, ownage is ownage. Like, whoever it is, you have ownage on somebody, you've got ownage. And right now, Ty Block has ownage on the Dodgers. The fact that he's been able to beat Kershaw twice in his career um, against him on the mound and win, come out with wins in those games and put together really good performances. Um, you know, he's been a little bit, he's had his issues this year, um, but, you know, with what he, he, he still keeps the team in ball games regardless of a bad start. Um, it just because, you know, the, the contact that he gives up is never um, very hard or loud uh, contact. So, you know, he, he has a hard time keeping, you know, batters miss him well. Um, or batters just don't hit his stuff very well for some reason, uh, which is super interesting. I just think it's a really it's a really weird matchup there because you have two guys that and, it's either really great or it's going to be yeah. a bullpen game, and that's that's the huge question mark that I have on this. Um, I because of recent trends, I would be okay with saying Kenta Meta um, and the Dodgers get the win on that sat on that Sunday. But then again, like the other, like the Giants fan part of me is just sitting there, like, oh, tie block against the Dodgers, pencil that in as win because for some reason it happens. Well, something that I do think is worth mentioning quickly before we close this out is that even if both of those pitchers are on, and this is the only reason I gave the Dodgers the win on Sunday, mm-hmm. is because. Both of those pitchers are not innings eaters. They're going to go, even in a hot, hot start, six innings is considered a a push. Like, that's a stretch in a really good game for both of them. So I don't think that the Giants beat Kenta, and I don't think that the Dodgers beat Block. I think that the winning team of that game beat the opposing bullpen. And and I would would totally agree with that. And I personally, like, if I sit there and, you know, if the Giants can get their innings right on Saturday and they don't tax the bullpen very much, then, you know, that could be a good game for the bullpen because the Giants' bullpen has been a lot more improved. But for me, that's, that game is just a huge question mark, and I really have no idea where to predict that. So I'm going to actually leave that one in the air because I, I just think that's the real wild card um, of this whole series. Um, but that's going to do it for us. Uh, you know, thank you, Jacob, again for joining us. Where Let people know where they can find you and Giants fans if you want to keep up on the Dodgers um, and laugh at their misery and wallow in their success. Um, where where can they pay attention to what you write about and uh, the Dodgers? So if you want to follow me, then you can find me on Twitter at Jacob underscore Rudner. It's just my name. It's exactly how it sounds. And then obviously, please follow us on uh, Twitter at fan si- Dodgers Way FS. It's our main fan sided page where we post all of our work and uh, we banter with the Giants fan page uh, with the Giants fans and their page and you, Daniel. So thank you so much for having me out. I really appreciate that. And uh, if you are a fan out there of either the Dodgers or the Giants, then I not only highly recommend uh, Dodgers Way and its writers to follow, but I, I strongly would recommend to follow Around the Foghorn and uh, Daniel because you guys are just as great. So thank you for having me out. And uh, please, Dodgers and Giants fans, give us a follow. Yeah, uh, I will echo Jacob. Uh, I, I love what they do at the Dodgers at Dodgers Way. Um, they've been really good 
uh, last couple years, or at least our last year and a half for me, um, of working with them. Uh, and, you know, they, they do great stuff. If you want to keep up on the Dodgers, um, go ahead. Give them a follow anyways. They're a good Twitter account. Um, and for us, you can find me personally at SperryDaniel94. Um, be prepared for soccer because um, that's a lot what that personal account is used for. But a lot of my giant stuff will always be at Round the Foghorn. The A in around in around is the amp, is the at symbol um, in our Twitter handle. Uh, so check it out at Round the Foghorn. Uh, AroundTheFoghorn.com is where you'll find all of our stuff and all of our Giants coverage. Um, thank you for listening, folks. I believe you can also follow our podcast here on iTunes. Um, is Sound the Foghorn podcast, as we have mentioned before. A huge thank you to Jacob for joining us, and a thank you to listeners um, who have tuned in for this whole thing. Um, have a good night or day or afternoon whenever you're listening, and uh, we will talk soon.